0: So we have been uh, dealing with uh, Luke and chapter 11. And perhaps as we proceed this morning, we just want to remind ourselves where we are coming from. I will ask us to read from verse 14, and we go all the way up to verse 32. Now he, that the Lord Jesus Christ, was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, And a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. And as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign." Of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the son of man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon Is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Behold, something greater than Jonah. the Lord Jesus Christ finally reacts to the unbelief of the Jews that we have thus far seen. The Lord Jesus Christ has performed a miracle that was acknowledged by all. And yet, the response of the Jews has been to accuse the Lord Jesus Christ that he is in fact an agent of the evil one. Rather than acknowledging that what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing, he is doing because God is seeking to give evidence to the fact that he is the Messiah. The Jews put their own spin on it. They began to tell the people that they should not believe in Christ. They should not believe in him as the Messiah because whatever it is that he is doing it is by the power of Beelzebub the prince of demons and the Lord Jesus Christ gives them his verdict and we find that verdict in verse 29, here is the verdict. This generation is an evil generation. Now bear in mind that these words would probably be more suited to our generation. That these words Actually, they fit like a hand in the glove when you think about present day America. We live in a day that is evil. We live in a day when sin is celebrated, when sin is unashamedly. Promoted. We live in a day when men and women invent ways of sinning against the living God. And if these words were spoken to us, if these words were spoken of our generation, we would say a hearty amen. These words had been spoken to some gentile idol worshippers, again, they would be the most appropriate words. But these words are spoken to the Jews. They are spoken to the descendants of Abraham. They are spoken to a group of people who have received the law of God, who pride themselves that they keep that law, that they are not like the Gentile sinners. It is to such a group of people that the Messiah gives the final verdict. And he says to them this generation is an evil generation. It is a generation that has chosen to be blind in the light of the clearest light that God ever gave to a group of people. They have decided that Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is possessed. They have seen some of the greatest miracles any human being will ever see in the history of the world. And yet they have come to that conclusion. Those miracles are coming So the question then we must ask is is it true that there is a lack of evidence from the Lord Jesus Christ to the Jews of his day to convince them that he is the Messiah. is that the reason why they hate him with a perfect hatred? A hatred that would not rest until they had actually put him on a cross. Well, the the problem of the Jews was that they did not agree with the way the Lord Jesus Christ characterized them in his sermon. That They liked to think of themselves as the chosen people of God. They liked to think of themselves as those people who were special and, and anyone who who wanted to even hint or imply that you could compare them with the Gentile nations, then you are going to receive that hatred. And this exactly is what the Lord Jesus Christ did again and again again. And again, yes, you are very religious. Yes, you are very moral. Unfortunately, your morality is only skin deep. Your heart is full of dead men's bones. The Lord Jesus Christ said on one occasion, Your problem is that your heart is wrong before God. There are examples right in the Gospel of Luke. If you will recall in Luke chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ is preaching in his own town. And he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And as he begins to expound to them that they are actually blind, they are actually poor, they are actually diseased, the response is that they wanted to throw the Lord Jesus Christ down a cliff. Or if you notice in Luke and chapter 5, The calling of Levi, or Matthew, the tax collector. And the Bible tells us that Matthew actually invited fellow tax collectors and sinners for a feast to which he invited the Lord Jesus. Do you remember the, 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 the complaint that the Jews made to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? and the complaint was basically why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? And that's the problem. They did not regard themselves as sinners. They regarded certain people in society as sinners not themselves and that is where you find that statement of our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ where he tells them those who are well have no need of a physician but only those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous but sinners sinners or if you remember what we will see in Luke and chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son, you remember what happened when the prodigal son returned and the father was so full of joy that he threw a party to celebrate the return of the prodigal. In that story, we are told of the elder brother who was not happy at all and uh, he complains bitterly and if you know anything about that particular parable the Lord Jesus Christ gave that parable specifically to depict the attitude of the Jews of his day and their attitude was this We have kept the law. We are not Gentile sinners. We are morally upright. That was the problem. The problem is that they did not see any need for any repentance or any coming to the savior. In fact, I must say to you uh, that to this day the most difficult people to bring to the savior are religious people. The morally upright because they do not see a need for repentance and for a savior dying for them. Mm. This is what we find again and again in the Gospels. Remember the rich young ruler who comes to the to the Lord Jesus Christ and says what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord Jesus Christ goes through the table of the law. And you remember his response? Mm. All these I have kept. What do I lack? The Savior then Seeking to show him his own blindness, his own covetousness, says to him, Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And the scriptures tell us that the rich young ruler went away sad. Why was he sad? Because he was not willing to part with his wealth for the sake of Christ. He was self-deceived, self-satisfied, religious, and morally upright in his own eyes. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ elsewhere says, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That is the reason why the Jews hated Christ they rejected his analysis of their spiritual condition. They rejected the way in which he treated them like Gentile sinners who need forgiveness from God. Because as far as they were concerned, they were Abraham. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, in that final verdict, says to them in verse 29, this generation is an evil generation. But notice in the second place, not only does he give his final verdict, he gives the reason why says, this generation is an evil generation because it seeks for a sign. What does he mean there? Exactly what we have already seen. See, the Lord Jesus Christ performed a glorious miracle to rescue somebody from being deaf and dumb. then they say he's doing it because he's an agent of Satan. And what they mean is exactly what they say, it, the Bible says in verse 16, if you just notice once again there. It says he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, while others to taunt him. kept asking from him a sign from heaven. Now, what they're basically saying is that, look, it is your fault that we don't believe you. What we want you to do is to convince us. That we have seen the sign you have performed. We think it is from Satan. So we now want you to perform a miracle that will convince us you are from God. That is why the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, There, this is an evil generation, and it's an evil generation because it is seeking for a sign. It's basically they are saying, Well tried, but try again. So far, we have seen what you have done, and we think it is from Satan but do something else that will convince us you are from God. Now, imagine for a moment the miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ performed. Can you, and I really want you to think, think of any other miracles that he could have done that would have made them change and say, Aha! Now we think you are from God. Now think first of all of the various miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ performed. Remember that with a word he spoke to the storm and instantly was calm that he cleansed the lepers with the word instantly they were healed he raised people from the dead Lazarus for instance had been dead four days you remember what his sister said this day he will be stinking master we can't open that grave man has been dead four days. He's already in the tomb. The Lord Jesus Christ raised him from the dead. What can top that? What is it that he could have done that will convince these people that this indeed is the Messiah sent from God And these signs that he is doing, he is doing by the power of God. I ask again, what else could he have done so that they would be able to say, yeah, we believe you are the son of God. We believe you are the Messiah. You know, when you think about that question, (coughs) no wonder the Lord Jesus Christ said, you remember in that story of Lazarus, Lazarus dies and goes to heaven to Abraham's bosom. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ says there, what Abraham says in that story? He says if they do not believe Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe even if someone should rise again from the dead. Now here is a group of people. Their unbelief (coughs) is fixed. They have looked at the evidence. It is not the lack of evidence that they see. It is that they have given in to their unbelief. Because there is more than enough evidence in the person of Christ in the miracles of Christ. You remember how the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to them had said, even if you don't believe what I say, believe because of what I do. The miracles that I am performing, these have come because it is God's intention to authenticate That what I am teaching is indeed from God. There's a very interesting verse, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, in John chapter 15 and verse 24. Says, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my. if you hate the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a god hater. Anyone who does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, however good, however well meaning, however decent you might be thought of in society, if you do not love the Jesus who is described in the pages of the New Testament, you are a God hater. You may be religious. You may be morally upright. But if Jesus does not mean anything to you, Jesus does not have the first place in your heart. You are a Godhead. You might not feel like it. In fact, you might even feel differently. I love God. God has blessed me with this or with that. But my friend, there's only one yardstick for loving, is to love his son if you do not love Jesus sincerely you are a God hater perhaps this is the reason why as Christians we should be praying for modern day Israel Because their attitude about the New Testament is something like this. Mm -hmm. That it is anti-Semitic. That's their attitude towards the New Testament. A couple of years ago, they actually attempted to ban the New Testament in Israel. Because they consider it anti-semitic and do you know why they consider it anti-semitic because it tells them if you don't love Jesus you're a godhead and they reject that with all their (laughs) hearts it's not just the Jews anyone who does not love Jesus in the way Jesus describes? It means you hate God. But you know, God is gracious. Absolutely gracious. So he says to them, this generation is an evil generation because it is seeking for a sign and then he says I'm not going to give you the sign that you want but I'll give you the sign that I want in other words God is the one in his amazing grace decides, you want a sign? Well, not the one you want. I am going to give you one. <laughs> if you want a sign, I have a sign. And Then he tells us there, It says that uh, no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? Good question, isn't it? Well, remember the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah was that unwilling prophet who received a message from God to go and preach to Nineveh. And Nineveh were Gentiles. Jonah was a Jew. And he remembered what these Gentiles had done to his countrymen and women. And he says to himself, no way. I'm not going to preach to those people. What if I go and preach to them, they actually repent and God forgives them? I'm not going to do that. He decides to go the other way. And uh, God intervenes. In his wise and mysterious providence, he sends the hurricane everybody there was quite superstitious they began to ask this thing is not just happening willy nilly one of us must have done something against God Then they come to John what have you done and he says yeah actually it is me you are right I am running away from God and if you want this thing to stop don't hesitate. Just take me and throw me overboard and it will be well for you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. And there is Jonah thrown overboard and to their utter amazement grows calm. And there's a fish waiting for Jonah. As soon as it's been thrown down there the sheep says, I've been waiting for this food for a while. It took long. My prayer took long to be answered, but finally it had him. And he was there for three days. And he repented. He was crying out to God. The fish had no choice but to go and spit him out. So he can go and fulfill God's calling. And if you read Jonah chapter 3, he arrives in Nineveh, and he is a hell, fire, and brimstone preacher. 30 days. And Nineveh will be no more. Now, have you ever asked yourself the question? Why did the people believe? Why did the people repent I think that Jonah must have shared his story and as they listened to the story they recognized that this must be God how can a man be in a belly of a fish for 3 days and not die and they listened to Jonah and it says from the chief the king to the last one including the animals they proclaimed a fast and repented cried to God mightily for pardon and forgiveness and they were forgiven by God remember these were Gentiles these are not Jews these are Gentile sinners to whom God extended his wonderful revelation, and they believed the preaching of Jonah and they repented. That is the sign. Just as Jonah was in the world's belly for three days, the Son of God was going to be in the belly of the earth for three days. And that's as Jonah was saved from virtual death. The son of God was saved from actual death. And just as Jonah, when he was rescued from the fish, he was reinvigorated and started a new ministry that was effective when the son of God rose from the dead then the gospel was sent to the ends of the earth so the sign of the son of Jonah or the sign of Jonah is actually the death and resurrection of our savior the Lord Jesus Christ that is the sign of Jonah and the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to them this is the only sign that God is going to give you. But what happened to the Jews when that sign finally took place? Now you don't have to turn to this, but you can listen as I read in Matthew and chapter twenty-eight. says there, now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now verse 2, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now come to verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. By that they mean the earthquake, the lightning, the trembling, and they became like dead men. They went and reported this. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day, the religious men, the moral men, bribed the soldiers. Instead of believing the sign of Jonah the prophet, here they are, busy bribing the soldiers that they lie, that he did not rise from the dead. His disciples came and stole him while we were sleeping. Can you see the finality in their unbelief? Can you see the hardness of heart? Can you see What else can the God of heaven do before these men can come bowing the knee and acknowledging Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus says, that's the only sign you are going to receive from me. That is the only sign. But then finally, he talks about the queen of the south in verse 31. We'll rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation, condemn them for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. That's the story that we read earlier. This woman who was a queen from the south had heard how God had blessed Solomon and there was something that was stirred in her heart to go and witness first hand the wisdom of Solomon. And we are told then that she goes with this to go and present to King Solomon. And as she conversed with Solomon, it dawned on her. The God of Solomon, the God of Israel is the true and living God. She speaks like a A theologian, when she begins to turn to Solomon and says, yours is the true God. Mm. In short, because of what she saw, the wisdom of Solomon, she asked Mm. any question, and by the wisdom given to him, Solomon answered her thoroughly and completely. At the end of the day, she became a believer. God of Israel and the God of Solomon what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying on the judgment day this gentle woman will stand against this generation of the Jews who have received light upon light who have received grace upon grace, who have been given the clearest light that God ever gave to human beings, the son of the living God. And yet they treat him like dirt. They turn their backs on him and they say to him, try harder. You might convince us Perform another miracle. Not this one, because we have come to the conclusion this one is from Satan. Try another one. This Gentile queen will in that day, with the light that she received, stand in judgment. men of Nineveh will stand in the judgment against this generation of Jews. Again, they only had one chance. One prophet and a prophet who didn't like them for that matter. But they believed the message and received forgiveness and pardon What is the main point of this story? Of this passage? It is this. Maybe you have become familiar with Jesus. And as usual, familiarity breeds contempt. Have you seen something unique in Jesus Christ? Have you seen something of the glory as the only begotten son of God, as the only one through whom guilty sinners can be saved? Is that your attitude of heart toward Jesus? Have you seen, been captured in your own heart Have you been attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ? We speak about him. We talk about him. Maybe it's just mere words to you. Jesus is absolutely unique. He is the son of God. The glory is his alone. And even though when he came into this world he veiled his glory he is the unique unparalleled son of God. And may it please God to open your heart so that you can see in Jesus a beauty you can never find anywhere else. That there might be in you a love for him more than anyone else or anything else. That there might be within you a hungering after Christ, a wanting to live for him and if need be, die for him. That is what this passage is asking us. Have you seen true Jesus perhaps you are busy you have created your own Jesus who is not unique who is not lovely who is not that attractive son of God who rose again from the dead on the third day ascended back to the father is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and he makes intercession for the people of God God, open your eyes to see in Jesus Christ that unique Lamb of God, that unique Son of God, this one who is set apart from everything else, harmless, sinless, undefiled, and yet was made to be seen. You go home. If you learn anything else, learn this Jesus, Jesus, mm-hmm. He is the only one who makes the difference. When you stand before God on that last day, if you are not in Jesus can be religious you can be a good man or a good woman you can be spoken of very well by everybody else but if you are not in Christ your end will be damnation so I beseech you my friends I plead with you to see in Jesus the only savior suited for you and for me let us pray our father we acknowledge that unless you open our eyes we would remain blind